The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. With me now, we've got the Liberal candidate for Corangamite, uh, Stephanie Asher, and uh, Libby Coker, the sitting MP, will be joining us in the second hour. So, Stephanie, thank you very much for coming down. It's great to be here in the heart of Corangamite. Absolutely, and thank you for the invitation, Mitchell. Good to see you. So, uh, what's been happening? It looks like things have really ramped up on the campaign trail. In fact, uh, when I picked up one of the local publications, I think the first three full pages were taken up by either you or other candidates running. It's pretty full on. It certainly has lifted in intensity, hasn't it? And look, it was really great to welcome the Prime Minister down here last Thursday. He was very impressed by the people that he met and the amount of activity that's going on down here. Uh, we met a few young homeowners down at Charlemont. And it was really interesting because I hadn't been to that specific part of Armstrong Creek before. And it's growing so quickly. It's absolutely amazing. It's like a maze getting in and out because all the roads aren't quite yet connected. So very much the um, first stages of uh, the development there. And uh, housing affordability, I think, at that uh, meeting was on the agenda. You were talking about home builder. But it would seem just early on now that housing affordability will be one of the key issues that will come up in the federal election campaign. Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's quite a few housing schemes um, from the federal government and we were talking to a few of the young couples uh, and a couple of individual um, people who've actually used those schemes so it was great we've had um, the home builder grant they walked us through um, their experience which has been really positive a young couple called Bonnie and Matt um, and also someone called Kerry she'd actually just bought a patch of dirt as she described it and was able to access one of the home scheme grants and she said it had allowed her to actually buy seven years earlier than she otherwise would have that's the scheme where you have the five percent deposit and the rest of the twenty percent deposit guaranteed by the government. So she's from Lower Plenty, she uh, works in health, she's found a, a job in Corio and she's absolutely stoked to be moving down here. So you can see how appealing the lifestyle is for people, it's terrific. Hey, yeah, talking about people moving down here, this is, I believe, one of the fastest growing regions in Australia, that's what the G21 tells me all the time. So housing affordability, that's going to be a real challenge that um, a future government will have to grapple with, particularly down here, very acutely uh, felt here in Corangamite because it is so desirable and land shortages, well, not necessarily land shortages, but there are shortages, it would seem, of homes. Absolutely. And look, the more uh, methods there are to get people into the housing um, sort of owning market rather than the rental market, that's that's the purpose. So when the PM came down to visit, what were identified as sort of being the real challenges down here? Now, I'm assuming he's visiting because he believes that Corangamite is a winnable seat for you and, you know, that um, it is going to be a real fierce contest on election day. Yeah, look, absolutely. And it was really uh, an exploratory session. It was great to be able to get him down and introduce him to a few of the, the people down here. We had a, a coffee down at Board Riders and we went to the Torquay Surf Club and had a community meeting there. So there was about 80 people, local leaders and various people from the community and he engaged really well. I was really impressed. He was very um, quick to find common ground with people. He wasn't really interested in talking much. He was interested in listening to people and just having one-on-one chats, which was great. So he just spent probably an hour or so at Torquay and of course I'm going to be fighting very hard to fund that, that new surf club. So it was good to be able to show him how desperately in need of a new surf club they are down at Torquay. So hopefully all those things go back to Canberra and we hear announcements and all lead up to the election. Indeed, yes. Look, we're just fighting at this stage. There's no commitments at this stage. We're just uh, exploring and uh, listening. It's great. Um, the Hanwha announcement yesterday, signing a deal with South Korea, that got a lot of news coverage. It would seem like there's still a fair bit of work to be done just on, you know, for example, identifying the site. I've heard the Avalon Airport has been proposed. So can you just talk us through what is that going to look like? What do we know at this point? What still has to be worked out? Yeah, look, it's absolutely huge news for the Geelong region. I don't think anybody... Um, uh, 
place that undersells exactly what a $1 billion contract uh, means to the region, and that's a commitment that was made in 2019 by the Morrison government. So it's great to see that come to fruition. I've been hearing about the howitzers for ages and not really a clear idea either of what that is. Um, this will be a cringe factor for people who are military-minded, but technically, um, to the layperson, it's basically a big tank with a gun. And uh, look, the, the commitment is to have a manufacturing base in Geelong to build those. So that's incredibly big news. We're still in the um, in the offing for the Land 400, which is a different vehicle, and Hanwar is, I think, down to two as the providers of that particular vehicle. So there's still a second, potentially second stage to this. But yes, as you say, we've got to find the land. Um, Avalon is uh, certainly in the mix. I don't know how that's progressing, but they've committed to essentially 300 jobs. Uh, direct jobs in Geelong and there'll be obviously all those flow on effects as well from you know up the supply chain and all the ancillary businesses around a, an organisation of that size and it's interesting because I had lunch with the US Consul General a couple of weeks ago and she asked me how she could help us down here and I said you know we actually need some more large corporates in this region um, we're very public service heavy in the Geelong region and while obviously not from the US the Hanwha deal is actually a really good example of that and it was on that topic the PM was um, telling us about a conversation with Afterpay in the US and their employees and apparently when asked if they would relocate to Australia, 50% of the workforce said they would. Then they went home, discussed it with their families came back the next day and 80% said that they would relocate to Australia. So obviously we've got a really really big appeal as a country here for international corporates to base themselves here and I think you know Greater Geelong and the, the Karangamite region is incredibly special, we know that because we live here, uh, but I think we've got an awful lot of opportunity sitting there. And uh, yeah, with the Hanwha deal it was all about building sovereign defence capability and it would seem that that is going to be a key issue in the lead up to the election as well with a few people a bit nervous about what they're seeing on the, the global stage. Yes indeed, indeed and security of course is a big issue. So the summer season ahead, I mean we're down here in the heart of uh, a tourist location and they've done it very tough here with all of the lockdowns that we've experienced this year so there's some real hope I think like there was this time last year when you were down here that the summer season is going to be a clear run and we can have the businesses prosperous and making a bit of money um, are you optimistic about how that's going to go do you think businesses will be able to recover quite well from the challenges faced this year yeah look absolutely and it has been a very tough year I think um, from a morale point of view as much as anything you're listening to Mayor Evels talking about the fact that some of the businesses did okay during winter uh, that's really positive for this region but I think everybody's hanging their hat on the summer season uh, being a boost and it's just nice to have the sun out isn't it? It seems to have been a very long and dreary cold season so the, the mood is good um, looking forward to a very safe and enjoyable summer, nice warm one as well. Interstate tourism should be back so that'll bring obviously a lot of um, local business and Melbourne people can you know come back to our beautiful coastline so yeah look I think there's, um, there's a lot of positivity to look forward to. There's been some challenges it would seem with potential labour shortages and it seems like when you go around the Geelong region just about every business has a sign up saying help wanted uh, why do we think that is? Look I think the fact that we haven't had international students is huge, the um, impact on on that, on the hospo and tourism industry in particular is I think we've really felt that and you know I think uh, Julia Baggio from G21 explained it really well in an article last week in The Age about just that key worker accommodation is a problem as well how do we actually um, provide housing for the people who can come down as a room 
impossible to get a rental. Um, and there's been some really good ideas, things like extending the camping permits from on private property from 28 days to 120 days for the season. I think Surf Coast Shire is doing that. Um, and I think, you know, just the idea of people thinking about maybe renting out a room over summer to someone who wants to work down here. There are some challenges, but I think, you know, I, I back in the fact we can be creative about it and positive and create some opportunities for people. In terms of the international borders issue, do you think that we're on the right track there? Because I know there are international students starting to come back or do you think that Omnicrom is going to derail all of those plans? I'm, I'm hopeful that we're on the right track. I think we need to continue with the, um, you know, COVID normal plan. I think Omnicrom personally, you know, I'm not an um, epidemiologist by any stretch, but I think, you know, we do need to start treating this as, as more like a flu at this stage and just ensure that we all do get our boosters. It was interesting with the media pack uh, on Thursday with the PM, most of the questions related around the vaccine program and boosters and then of course there was the you know do you think Djokovic should play and then you know what do you think of a big ute for Geelong so <laughs> but most of the questions were actually about vaccines and booster program. And what can you tell us about the booster program I believe people are now eligible five months after having their second vaccine now to go and get it is there enough stock I believe AstraZeneca is off the table now it's Pfizer or Moderna? It does seem to be look I don't have the details to my fingertips that's about as much as I know too I did double check this morning that it's five months after your second vaccination because I was not quite sure whether it was first or second so just making sure that I wasn't going to get caught uh, trying to find a booster shot somewhere if I was not in Victoria because we're actually heading to Queensland for Christmas mm. so yeah so after this uh, five to six months after the second uh, vaccine shot is actually when you're supposed to get the booster. So of course uh, this last day of the year for this program gives us an opportunity to reflect on the year but also to look forward to next year and it's a huge year coming up with of course a federal and state election. I'm sure your focus is pretty much on the federal election. Um, people are rumouring when it might be. May is one of the dates flagged. What do you think is going to happen between now and then? What are we sort of looking at um, between now and then? And I suppose what do you think might be the key issues that will come up beyond perhaps what you've already talked about? Look, I think it will slowly ramp up. It seems to have been uh, quite a jump, steep jump in the last couple of weeks in terms of intensity. That's probably a bit of a flurry before Christmas. I think yep. everybody understands that people need a break over Christmas. Um, but I'll certainly be working really hard to meet as many people as possible and listen to what people's issues are and provide uh, you know sensible responses to that. So, yeah, I'm sure all the candidates will be doing the same thing. And the big issues, I think, you know, for, for us down here, it's always transport, road and rail in particular. Um, I think climate change action is also a reasonably big issue. Um, although, interestingly, certainly at a, a local level, um, our climate change response plan with the City of Greater Geelong attracted 100 comments from, from uh, various people on the consultation process, whereas the dog laws attracted 5,000 comments. So, so there's certain issues that attract certain people. Yeah, I think um, I was talking to Councillor Harwood two weeks ago and he said how frequently calls come in about the dogs. Yeah, Not right. a big federal issue, but um, it sounds like that generates a lot of passion. That's right. And look, people don't necessarily delineate between federal, state and local either. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's fairly normal. I don't think there's a, a large proportion of the population that are politically as tragic as perhaps we are. Mm. So I think, you know, it's, it's about listening to people and understanding how to help them. That's that's essentially the role of the candidate. So Labor has put out their climate targets, uh, 43% cut in emissions by 2030. And I'm sure they'll be in, uh, in the second hour to talk about that. So the question for voters, I suppose, is how are you different? 
because at the end of the day, people are going to have to make a choice, uh, even if they're voting for someone else, who are they going to put their preferences to? So you or Labor, um, who has the better climate policy? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm really passionate about action on this, um, and I would love to come back and talk about that specifically at some point and get right into the detail, because I'm about halfway through reading the long, long-term emissions reduction plan and very positive about um, what the federal government's put forward. I understand that there has been criticism, but the easiest thing in the world is to criticise someone else's work, isn't it? Um, you know, McKinsey's have done a really good job, I think. And it is going to be tough to get to net zero by 2050 for everyone, um, but we can do it. And I'd rather we focused on action and what we do and as, as government and also how we encourage people to contribute as individuals as well, um, rather than arguing about the numbers. I'm a big believer in targets, but I think, I think it, historically, the last couple of decades, we've wasted so much time uh, arguing over degrees of difference, quite literally, um, instead of actually understanding that we are all on the same page. We all agree in principle, so let's just get on with it. Do you think that we need to have the sort of shorter-term targets that they've put 2030 on the table? Um, the concern from some, and I think I might have raised it with you last time, is if we have a 2050 target, there's no mechanism to make sure that it's actually followed through because um, I don't imagine any of the MPs will still be in Parliament by then, maybe one or two. Um, whereas at least 2030, we as the voters can look at that and say, oh, yes, they met it, or no, they didn't. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a big believer in milestone targets. It's all part of managing a project, and, you know, you can't manage what you don't measure, so you do need to do that along the way. And, look, the federal government has been fairly clear that we're very much on track for the, the targets set for 2030. We'll probably exceed those targets. So, you know, I think that is very relevant, and I'm sure that it's a, um, it's a growing conversation. And Anthony Albanese was here, uh, in addition to the Prime Minister, so we're sort of fortunate to have the two leaders down here, but their big focus in that campaign was Barwon Heads Road and extending that down, the duplication beyond Reserve Road, um, which from what I hear from the locals, that's very important and well and truly needed. Um, and clearly people are going to be weighing up again, um, what is the Liberal policy on Barwon Heads Road and what's the Labor policy? So just talk to us about that issue because uh, you would have experienced Barwon Heads Road, I'd imagine going into Charlemont the other day. I experienced Barwon Heads Road sometimes six times a day, Mitchell. Yep, very familiar with that road. <laughs> Um, yes, completely agree. It does need to go all the way down to Lower Dunedin Road, and that's something that I'll be fighting very hard for as well. And look, so far, the federal government's committed 80% of the funding to reserve roads, so they've put in $292 million so far. Um, I think it's $250 million for the next section, so I'll be fighting very hard to make sure that that happens. But look, that whole road project, we do need to look at the, the overall picture too, because we don't want to be then be creating bottlenecks at either end. Um, so I think there is uh, quite a need for some more clarity of communication around exactly what what it will be, how those intersections will work effectively, um, what sort of time spans we're looking at as well, because a lot of people seeing all the development and wondering why, you know, why it isn't as, why, why don't we have big photos up saying this is what it's going to look like, what are, where are the bike lanes going to be, or the bike paths, all those sorts of things, which I think has all actually been done. Um, maybe just not communicated as clearly as it could have been. Yep, no, fair point. All right, well, thanks for being with us. Um, will the campaign be continuing with the same intensity over Christmas, or do you think people sort of shut down a bit on politics and then refocus in late January? Yeah, look, I think it's respecting people's need for a bit of a break. Um, I certainly would respect that, and I think people deserve a bit of 
politics free time over Christmas and time to spend with their family. And I wish everybody, all your listeners and everyone here, a lovely and happy and safe Christmas too. And thank you very much for being here and thanks for coming on the program, not just this year, but also since 2015, you've been a regular contributor. So over that sort of six years and seven years, it's been absolutely wonderful. So all the very best and uh, we'll talk to you next year. Thank you so much, Mitch. Really appreciate it. Stephanie Asher there, the Liberal candidate for Karangamide. It's eight minutes to ten. We'll take another break. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.